We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, as uh, we came a little early this morning, uh, well, kind of like we always do, try to. But I was kind of, I was just up here kind of praying, and I, I really began to feel the Spirit of God this morning that, uh, that this word, that this, that this lesson, that this service, this Sunday school service, uh, is for somebody. It, it, I really believe that God really wants to do a work this morning. I really believe that He's going to move. He's going to speak to somebody, um, maybe more than one of us. But uh, I really feel as though that God is going to move this morning in some way for somebody. So if, if there's any time that you, uh, you need to have prayer, we don't have to get through everything. We can stop and pray if we need to. Uh, in fact, I would encourage it because we seldom have extra time left over. So uh, <clears throat> I really feel the power of God. Really want to do something this morning. So uh, we're just going to go ahead and get into this. And feel free if you need to pray. We'll stop what we're doing and pray uh, however we need to. But in 1 Kings chapter 17, we're going to begin in verse 8. And it says, "The word, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called uh, to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in, uh, in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. Behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat, uh, may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, bring it unto me, and after make for thee and, thy, and for thy son." For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah." So what we have here is Elijah was sent by God to this widow woman's house. And this is during a time of a great famine and a great drought, uh, explaining why he, was, why he told her that uh, the barrel of mill and oil would not run out until rain came, because there hadn't been any rain for a great time. So Elijah was sent uh, from God to this woman, and she was found gathering sticks to produce her last meal for her and her son, and then they would just die because they had no more provision. They had no more substance for life. They were just going to eat their last meal and die. And uh, so at times we might find ourselves in such a desperation to live for God 
that we find that we've come to a point of total failure. That we, we desire to know God. That we desire to, to move forward with God. To, uh, to live according to the way we know God wants us to live. And yet we find ourselves at places of failure. So why are we finding ourselves this way? Uh, we're not told much about this woman. We assume she was a good woman trying to provide for, uh, but unable to since the death of her husband. She was a widow. And, her, uh, and, was not, and she was preparing for her son and herself to die. Her husband had died, her provision for life, and then days the man provided everything. And, he was, and he's what brought the substance in. She, uh, she all, sure did plenty of work, but the way, the, the way everything was structured in them days, the men were in charge of providing. And then there's, you, you uh, increase the problem because of a drought, because there's not even any way for her to grow her own substance. And she's just left with what was left in the barrels from her husband, right? Whatever he had accumulated, or maybe what if she had accumulated before the drought, was left in them barrels, and uh, that's what they were living off of through that drought. So why are we finding this? Uh, You see, the source of her life was gone. Her husband was not there to provide, and the only food, uh, because her husband was there to provide food and protection, and comfort and security. So he's no longer there. And she lacked ability to keep them alive. So God sent a man to do a miracle. But first she had to set up, uh, step out in faith, right? God told, uh, Elijah told her to make him a meal. God sent Elijah there to be sustained by this woman. So just like, uh, just like that woman, just like us, we may find ourselves trying to live for God. We're wanting to do the things that God has called us to do. We desire to walk with Him. We desire to, to do things that are pleasing to Him. But we're finding that we're nearing spiritual death, right? We find that we're unable to sustain this. We're running out of energy. We're running out of excitement. Or we're running out of uh, uh, ideas or ways to actually produce this. Just like this woman. She was running out of provision. She was near natural death, but we are near spiritual death because we're no longer able to provide. And we can't figure out what it is that's going to sustain us. But God sent this man, sent Elijah, and uh, he sent him to ask everything. Everything that was keeping them alive, this man asked for. The last little bit of meal, the last little bit of oil was all they had. And this stranger comes up and asks for it. I want everything that's left keeping you alive. Uh, so it was not only their, la- their life source, but it was the last meal that they would ever have, right? Uh, we have found ourselves at the end of our own abilities, no longer able to produce the substance that brings life. We find ourselves attempting... Uh, to please God. We find ourselves attempting to do good, attempting to uh, do the things that God, we know God likes, and we find ourselves unable to produce anything that's actually giving us life, making us feel as though we're right with God, making us move forward in the Spirit of God. Because through a carnal mind, we have produced a religion that has the image of what God does, uh, that has the image of what God uh, does but has the lack, but it lacks the ability to show who God is, because that is what God wants to produce in us. He wants to produce in us uh, 
a testimony, not our testimony of what we did, mm-hmm. but a testimony of what He did, right? Yes. So whenever we look at that and we think, I'm going to do better, I'm going to try harder, that actually produces a testimony of, look at me, look how good of a Christian mm-hmm. I am. Look how good of a person I can do. And God will not honor that because God wants to produce His testimony in yes. you. He wants to say, look what I did with Abby. Look what I did with Michaela. I don't, he doesn't want to say, look what Abby did for me. What mm. did, look what I did for Abby. Yes. That's the testimony that God wants to produce in us. That's what God wants to show us. So as we continue in our own abilities, God will withdraw Himself, allowing you to fall short. Mm-hmm. Allowing you to see just how sinful, just how ugly, and just how terrible of a person you are. Why does He do this? Because He wants you to rely completely on Him. So uh, we sing, we preach, we pray. But it, just like it's said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, "...having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof." From such turn away. The scripture says that these people had a form of godliness, but was denying the power thereof. The Pharisees in the New Testament that Jesus talked about, the, that uh, looked as though they were great and holy men, but in their hearts were wicked and deceitful. Why? Because they had that image of godliness, but they had no power of God in their life. There's plenty of people, there's plenty of us, uh, can't, can't remove myself from the equation, but there's plenty of us that have a form of godliness. Because I show up every Sunday, and I stand up here and I teach you, I look godly. I may look like I'm a special person to God, but if I don't actually perform and show the power of God in my life, if I don't show who God is, then I am no different than those Pharisees. I am performing a religious act, but I do not know God. So it is through me performing and showing who God is. I must have that testimony of what God did for me. Not what I'm doing for God, but what God did for me. So week after week, month after month, or year after year, we have been making cakes to eat from what was produced by generations past. That is what we come to. That's what we realize that false religion, not necessarily false religion, may have doctrine, the doctrine may be accurate, everything may be right, but what we find is that generations have produced a form for us to follow. Mm. Whenever we tell you to read your Bible, that it's good, that is not what brings salvation. Though it's good to read your Bible, we can simply lay out a template of this is what you can do in order to to, uh, have a good relationship with God. But if you do not have a relationship with God, performing these things will not produce a relationship. You cannot just simply read your Bible and come to know God. You can't simply pray and come to know God. Christ Himself must radically change your heart. He must come in and do something that you cannot do. And that is give you the ability to worship Him, give you the ability to pray, give you the ability to read the Bible. It is when the Spirit of God draws you into those things that that is producing the relationship. That is when the relationship begins to blossom and do something great. Is whenever God is producing it, not you producing it in order in in hopes to obtain something from God. So past uh, so past revivals have been keeping a lot of churches going. Uh, we like to talk about a big revival that was over here or over there, and point to that and say if we could just do things like that, 
if we could just have a church service like that. If, that, if this church could be just like that church, or whatever the case may be, then everything would be okay. The widow, no doubt, probably would think to herself, if my husband is here, he, would come, uh, he could come home from the field. She would be thinking back at how that happened. He would come home from the field, and he would have a great harvest of wheat. He would have a great harvest, and everything would be fine. If everything was like it was whenever my husband was still alive. God is looking at this church, looking at this youth group, trying to show that he has a plan. And he has a purpose. And we must look forward to what God has and not what God has done. So the barrel is almost empty. The turning point is here. We must either produce more milk or we must eat the last cake and die. Mm -hmm. So like the widow woman, we cannot produce that milk. What we have was gathered by someone else. We simply do not have the knowledge or the ability to attain what we need. Right? We don't know how to produce this meal. That widow woman had no idea how to obtain some life substance. She may have knew how it worked, but the drought was there, and the ability to produce what was put into the ground was no longer in her hands. She could have planted, but it would never would have grown. Right? Had no water. Uh, so in that, uh, in, with that image of going on, we may have have people in our life. We may have parents or, or grandparents that were godly people. And we think that just because of that relationship that God now looks at us. And He's happy with us because our parents are godly people. Or because our grandparents were godly people. But simply doing what grandma and grandpa or mom and dad did will not produce more substance. Just simply going through those actions, simply attending church without an interest of, uh, of God radically changing you, without an interest of doing anything greater than what you've seen, will not produce any life-changing or life-sustaining substance. Because you're simply going through the motions of what mom and dad did or what grandma and grandpa did. So we must come to know how grandma or grandpa gathered that life-sustaining meal. It is through a fully committed life to the will of God. We cannot obtain the spiritual revival that so many of us search after without being totally sold out to God. So we must understand that in order to be spiritually revived, in order to uh, receive spiritual substance that will keep us alive in Christ, that will keep our spirit moving, it must be done by fully committing to Christ. It is not by, I want to do these works so that I can obtain a good standing with Jesus, so that I can feel good about me going and searching after this, or searching after this great career, or searching after this great relationship, or searching after this uh, great social status. God is not here to make us feel good about what we're doing, but to change us and Move us into what He is doing, right? I said it then, or I said it at the beginning, towards the beginning, that He does not want us to have a testimony of our own, but He wants us to have His testimony. God does not want the people to look around and say, Look what they did for me, and I came to them. No, He wants to say, Look what I did for them, and they found me in that. It is through Christ, it is through God that you're going to obtain this. And it is by doing what He wants you to do. It's not, I don't care how good you are at, uh, I guess we'll use Lexi for an example since, since she's here. It doesn't matter how good you are at singing. 
or how good you are at show choir, if God does not want you in that position, he does, you will not be able to sustain life there. Mm. If God does not call you into a position in this world, then it doesn't matter how good you are at it, you will find yourself dying. This woman was probably very good at providing for her family, but she lacked one important thing. And that was the ability to grow the substance that she was able to provide with. Mm. The rain was not there. There was no ability in her to produce what the seed would produce. Because it had to be planted, right? But it needed water to grow. She could not make it rain. It was not her ability to produce it. Everything that she knew and understood was of no use because what needed to what there was needed to produce the mill was not there. The plant would not grow. So whenever we realize that I can I can go and I, I'm a I, I'm a truck driver. I'm good at driving a truck. I'm I've, I've never really had an accident aside from just silly nonsense stuff that doesn't amount to anything uh uh not involving other thing anyway i'm completely sidetracked now uh but i'm good at doing that i'm i'm good at driving a truck i will not run into you i pay attention i know what needs to be done i'm good at it but if god does not want me driving a truck then i will die spiritually setting in the seat of a truck. If God does not want you to be a nurse, you will die spiritually being a nurse. I don't know what it is that God's uh, leading you into or what you think you must do. So all the famous revivals began with people seeking after God. So that is where we need to realize is that people that decided to move towards God no matter what direction that took them. You might be a great uh, you might be a great welder, but if God calls you into being a a pastor, then you will die spiritually if you stay a welder. You will die spiritually if you continue to do whatever profession you think you're good at. If God calls you into ministry, God wants to do something in you. If you're a good welder, but God wants you to be a, a, I don't know, God wants you to be in retail. God wants you to be, uh, to do something completely, be in sales then that is where you must be. It is must be all relying on God. Uh, so once they realized these are people that were a part of these great big revivals that we hear about are people that have forsook everything in order to obtain the will of God in their life. When the rich young man came to Christ, I think I've talked about this on Wednesday night. When he came to Christ... And he said, and he had been living a pleasing life. He he obeyed all the commandments. He said, uh, but he still desired more from God. He wanted to know more about God, and he sought Jesus to tell him what it would take for him to know more about God. And Jesus told him, "Sell everything." Uh, let's see. We'll just read it. Uh, Mark ten and twenty one says, "Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest." Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross, and follow me. Jesus looked at this man. 
He was not a bad man. He said that he followed up the law. He was doing everything he knew to do that God wanted. But there was something lacking. He wanted to know more about God. He wanted a deeper relationship with God. He wanted to be fulfilled by God. But when Christ told him what it would take, he ran away from it. He left it sorrowful because he was not willing to pay that price. Most people do not experience revival in their own heart. I'm not talking about a revival in the church. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about a revival in our heart. You don't experience that because you're not willing to pay the price that Christ is asking for it. Whatever that may be, may cost you friendships, may cost uh, relationships with your family, it may cost a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, regardless of whatever that is, if you're not willing to pay the price, you will never come to know God in that manner that you desire to know Him. Uh, God may not want you to sell everything and give it to the poor, but it is up to us to seek after Him. And when He shows us what it is that is standing in our way of knowing Him in a greater way, we must give that to Him. This life is not ours. This life belongs to Christ. It is not... Uh, if, uh, if that sin that looks good, but you ju- you're just scared to perform it, If the sin still looks good, but you're just scared to perform it, you have not fully submitted to Christ. Right? Because if you have fully submitted to Christ, when we give our life to Him, we will no longer desire that sin, but that sin will look disgusting to us. That sinful situation that may be standing between you and a revival with Christ, if it still looks good, you have not fully submitted to Him. That is the thing that's standing in the way. If you have not, if, if it's riches, whatever it may be, if you have not given it away, if you have not submitted it to the will of God, then you will not know the provision of God. We may slip and fall from time to time. I'm not talking about being perfect. But the pain and the failure and the rebuke of the Spirit will always be there. When you fall short with God, He will show you that that was wrong. And if that is there, simple uh, slipping and falling is not what is keeping you from the will of God. It's deliberate unwillingness to submit everything to God that is keeping you from that provision. So that moment we decide to give Christ everything will be the moment we see the provision of God. Elijah came to that woman and he said, "If you will make me a meal, then the then the barrel of oil, uh, the mill, the barrel of milk and the and and the oil will not run dry. It'll sustain you." It was up to that woman in that moment: Will I believe God or will I just make my last cake and die? It was in that moment that she chose to submit. That she chose to give everything to the will of God and she found that the barrel never ran dry. The widow woman took a step of faith and gave the last of her life and God not only returned it, what she, not only returned what she gave, but continued to provide. He continued to provide beyond what she ever imagined that God would ever do. Why? Because she stepped out. She removed that thing that was hindering her from the will of God. She did not want, uh, she desired the will of God greater than life itself. It looked as though she would die if she would die more quickly if she gave that provision to Elijah. But she chose to give that to him so that she could be in the perfect will of God. It may look as though that what you're giving away, that God is calling you away from, it may look as though that life itself would end. 
that everything would change. You will have no friends. You will have no family. You will have no career. Whatever it might be, it may look, it may look bleak. It may look uh, tragic. But if you will simply step out and give it all to God, then you will find that His provision will be greater than you ever imagined. You will have not only more than what you started out with, but it will go beyond what you ever dreamed it would go. So it's in, it's in this moment where you decide to give everything to God. That is what God's asking you this morning. That thing, whatever it is, He may have already spoken to you, and I believe He has. He has put His finger on something in your life that is hindering you from the will of God from His perfect plan for your life. He has placed His finger on it and He's asking you this morning, will you give it away? Will you submit to my plan? Or will you hold on to that? Because if you hold on to what it is that's keeping you from God, keeping you from His perfect plan, you will die spiritually. That is the consequence that woman would have had. She could have refused Elijah, ate her last meal and died. But it is whenever we give that to God, whenever we give that last little bit of provision, whatever that is that we're holding on to, that we think our life is, that our, we think is so important to our life, it is when we fully submit to God and give that away that we find that He will supply our need, that He will supply everything we need, that He will bring us into a spiritual revival like we never thought possible. So if you would, uh, we're going to pray real quick. Uh, we don't have time for a, a long prayer. We're going to have to go into service. But let's go ahead and pray. Uh, thank You, Lord, for this time. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for what You've done in our heart. We know that You have seen the things in our life. That there's things in there that are hindering us from Your perfect plan. That are hindering us from Your will. And we desire to know You in a greater way. God, give us the boldness. Give us the faith. And give us the courage to step out. Give everything to You and allow You to provide for us. That we would no longer rely on that provision or that or uh, the things of this world to sustain us, but that we would rely completely on You to sustain us. Whatever that may be, the, the wealth, the, the, the fame, the social status, the relationship, God, we give it all to You. We give everything to You this morning and that we know that You will provide, that You will sustain our spirit, that You will bring us closer to You, that You will anoint us, that You will prosper us and bring us into a position, a spiritual position, that we can impact others in our life. God, we thank You for it. We praise You for it. We ask You to continue to do this work in our lives, to bring us closer to You, that You would just go with us through the rest of this week. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.